Praise God. Good to see you in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Somebody smile at the if nothing other than to relax your face and make your muscles uh, relax a little bit so that you're not overworking yourself. Amen. It's good to be in God's house. Amen. I don't care what the weather's doing outside. This is a great place to be. And I'm thankful to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Go ahead. Do that. Clap your hands to the Lord. Don't be afraid to do that. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Well, I do believe the Lord is in this place today, and I feel that uh, touch of God in a very, very special way. And I'm glad that the Lord is going to speak to us, not just me, but I, I believe that somewhere in the context of this service, God's going to begin to speak to you. If you would stand in honor of the Word of God, I'm going to take you to an old passage, Genesis chapter 32, and I'm going to begin reading in verse number 24. And I hope that because it is familiar that you don't close me out before I have my say. But I do believe the Lord has a word today. And this is what the scripture reads. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And this visitor, this being, this uh, theophany, this God uh, encounter that Jacob was experiencing God spoke to him and said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob but Israel, for as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hath prevailed. Verse 29 said, And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Whether is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. Verse 30 said, And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. I want you to underscore those last four words, my life is preserved. And everybody said amen. I want to talk to you for a little while this morning about a place of healing, a place of healing. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I came across a statement the the past few weeks and it has lodged in my heart and it has lingered in my mind for several days. It was spoken by John Flavel and I'm not familiar with him. I know he was a writer of years past But he made a statement in one of his books that goes like this. He said, as God did not at first choose you because you were so high, so he will not forsake you because 
you are so low. Amen. I want to say that again. Because God did not choose you because you were so high. He's not going to forsake you now that you are so low. There is no character in Scripture that is more colorful than the character that we have read from this morning. His name is Jacob. He is bold. He is aggressive. He is a man with great desire. And yet for all of his good qualities, Jacob was an extremely troubled soul. He was an extremely troubled man and had been for many, many years. He had come into the world grabbing. He had come into the world reaching out for something that was not his, a place in time or a place in order that God had chosen to not allow to be his. And yet there was something in the baby that wanted more and So he comes into this world reaching. He comes into the world grabbing. He comes into the world trying to get ahead of God's plan, fighting and struggling and all of the other things that went into making Jacob the man that he was. Knowing what he wanted. When I began to think about Jacob, that was the first thing that came to my mind, is that Jacob was, in fact, a man that knew what he wanted. He saw what was best, and he went after that. And I I know the Scripture says that God loved Jacob, but he hated Esau, and that's a strong thing to say. But I somehow feel that perhaps the reason that God loved Jacob so much is because of that one thing. He knew what he wanted. He knew what was best. Now, he didn't always go about getting that the right way, and he didn't let rules or regulations get in his way. But whatever he had to do to get it, Jacob was the kind of man that would do it. It didn't matter if it was by hook or crook, if it was legal or illegal. Jacob was going to find a way to get what he wanted. Long before, long, long before Frank Sinatra ever made the song popular, Jacob was living, I did it my way. Amen. Go back and read his story and look at how from his very beginning, Jacob had great potential, he had great gifts, he had special talents, but he lived a messed up life. Most of his existence was messed up because he did it his way. Amen. He knew what was best and he knew what he wanted. It didn't matter how he had to get it though. However it was, he placed his desire above everything else and in one sense Jacob just plowed his way through life no matter what happened no matter who he hurt no matter who he deceived no matter who he tricked no matter what happened Jacob by whatever means possible was reaching for what he wanted and because of that because 
He lived that way. And because he had that kind of temperament and that kind of attitude, as you can only imagine, he always lived his life looking over his shoulder, wondering when it was all going to catch up with him, wondering when it was all going to come to fruition, always staying ahead of the issues of his past. And to do that, he had to run. He had to move. He had to constantly be in some kind of transition in his life. And so you watch Jacob as he comes into the world and you see the attitude and the spirit in which he attacks life and how he deceives his father. He cheats his brother in in a sense, sells a birthright for a bowl of pottage. He catches him in a vulnerable moment. He takes advantage of his weakness And then the the family explodes and Esau hates him and Esau said that I'm going to kill him when my father dies and the grieving period is over. I'm going to put an end to Jacob's life. And so Jacob took off and he ran for 20 years. Jacob was running. He ran to Laban and Laban did what he did to others. Laban cheated him and deceived him. He got a little bit of his own medicine, but Jacob being the man that he was wound up on top, figured that out. How in the world could a man always seem to come out a step ahead, always on the edge? It's always questionable what he is involved in, always there on the brink. And now... After all of these years, he is wanting to come home. He's wanting to come back to his place of family and all of that. And there is where Esau and all of those past issues, many of them still reside. And then he finds out that Esau is coming to meet him And so he begins to prepare for that eventual meeting, not knowing what was going to happen. And the Bible said that Jacob came to the brook Jabbok. And there at the ford or the shallow place where they crossed that creek, Jacob began to send out his family, partial out his belonging so that they would not all be destroyed at one time and then Jacob stays behind in Jabbok. And here, Jabbok becomes a place of reckoning for Jacob. In this nighttime encounter, there is a settling that comes to Jacob's life. It is a place where he is forced to deal with the issues of his past. And he is forced to balance the books And he is forced to try to reckon things and make them account. And if you can understand me this morning, that place was truly a traumatic experience for him, but it was also a place of healing. Amen. It was a place of healing. For here God met him. And my, what a meeting that was. I cannot even imagine. I... I don't know how to even, in my mind, I've tried to play it out, how all of this transpired. Jacob sends all of his family away, and he is left alone, and it's dark, and all of a sudden, a hand reaches out. I'm talking about a real physical hand reaches out and takes hold of him, and the fight is on. 
Now, don't tell me that you wouldn't fight something. Some of us, you might faint, but most of us would fight. When you get over cardiac arrest, there's something about self-preservation. And so Jacob began this encounter with, at that moment, what was unknown. He didn't know. Maybe it was one of Esau's spies that had been sent ahead to do him in, or perhaps another person that he had done wrong that had caught up with him. But my, what a fight, what a wrestling there was through the night. It had taken Jacob a long time to get to this place. And I want to I want to dwell on that for a moment because that is critical sometimes in our life. Sometimes it takes a long time to get to the place where God can do in our life what He needs to do and what He wants to do. Sometimes because of our own temperament, because of our own personality, because of our own desires, because of our own aggressiveness, because of our own boldness, And the issues that all of those things bring up in our life, it takes a long time for God to get us to that place where he had gotten Jacob to. But God will get you there. God will get you to your Jabbok. He will get you to your reckoning place. He will bring you to your balancing of the books. Oh, yes, he will. And here in the darkness of the night... 20 years of running and 30 years of cunning or 40 years of cunning and all of the other issues that had piled up in his life, all of them began to come to the surface as he wrestled in, and in his mind, I'm just, I'm just imagining he's trying to figure out who is this. Now, is this that person that I did wrong or is it that person? Is this one of Esau's guys or is this someone of Laban's guys? Is this somebody else that I did wrong and I don't even remember who it was? Is this somebody that I tricked a long time ago and I've forgotten? He's trying to figure out all of these issues in his mind and that person that he's wrestling with is not moving, not leaving, and now Jacob's nature takes over. Jacob, his 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 old man begins to surface, and Jacob said, you know what? I've been here before. I can handle this. And so Jacob's old nature rises up that night, and he, in his mind, he thinks, I'm going to work this out. I'm going to make this thing work. I am going to fix this And yet all the night he wrestled, but all of the wrestling, he could not work it out. He he couldn't make it work. He couldn't turn the tide. He He couldn't gain favor. He couldn't gain an advantage. He couldn't make it work. All night long he had wrestled, and yet he had not been able to turn the tide. And then came that life changing moment in his life. That life-changing moment, that wrestling that came to a pin, apex and, and it came to the pinnacle of, of, of conflict. And there in that moment, there was a revelation that came. Because Jacob defined, or he described to us what happened later. He said, I saw God face to face. But in that moment of wrestling, Jacob faced God for the first time evidently in his entire he had looked at God but he had never really faced God 
And when God began to deal with him and he began to look at God and God began to look at him, something happened in that wrestling place, in that place of struggle. Jacob finally did what he had been unwilling to do for 20, 30, 40 years and that was simply surrender his life completely to God. Listen to me. In that moment of revelation, in that moment when he's looking face to face with God and the reality of his life and who he was and who God had called him to be and how low he had sunk in his life in his personal endeavor to accomplish what God wanted to do in his life, he comes face to face with that. And for that moment in his life, he realized... That Esau hasn't been my problem and my father hasn't been my problem and even my mother hasn't been my problem. I have been my problem. And in that moment of time, Jacob completely surrendered to God. And here in this moment of surrender, God forever changed his life. God changed him. Not just his name, but he changed Jacob. He changed his attitude. He changed his spirit. He changed his temperament. He said, you shall no longer be called Jacob but Israel because you have power with God. You're a prince with God because you have prevailed. You have held on. You have gone through the test. And here in this moment of healing actually is what happened. There was a healing of his life. When he began to look face to face with God, God began to heal all of the issues that his temperament had stirred up in his life. All of the issues that his personality had brought to the surface. And in a surrendered place, God began to help him deal with a temperament that had troubled him all his life. In that place called Jabuk, in that moment of surrender, God helped Jacob deal with a temperament that had been his sore spot all of his life. I wonder how many of us here today are where we are right now because our temperament has gotten us there. Good or bad, whatever you want to say about it, our temperament has put us in a place where we are. And that temperament is what always gets us in trouble. You see, there was always a fever about Jacob's life. It didn't matter where he goes. He could be at home. But there's going to be a fever of some kind. There's going to be some kind of infection in his life. He can go to Laban's house and there's going to be a fever in his life. He can go somewhere else. Wherever Jacob goes, there's always some fever about his life. Wherever he goes, trouble always seems to surface. Something always seems to get stirred up wherever he goes. And it was because of a temperament that had never been truly surrendered to God. It was an attitude and a way of going about life that had never truly surrendered to 
to God. And so here in this place called Jabbok, God put his hand upon Jacob's life. And not only did he put his hand there, God began to heal something in this man, in his personality and his temperament, so that that would not continue to destroy his future that was before him and push away from him the thing that God had designed for him to have. Have I come this morning to preach to somebody that there is a place that you can come to in life where life can be healed, a way of life can change for you by a touch from God, that a conniving, deceiving, lying, cheating spirit can be transformed by God's touch and forever change your destiny and your future. Here in a moment of surrender, God forever changed his life. It was a healing place. And God has sent me to tell somebody here this morning that this service can be your Jabbok. That some of you have been wrestling with temperament issues for a long time. That's why you keep making some of them the same mistakes and you keep going back down the same path. Some of you are veering that way right now. You've been straight for a while. You've been doing good for a while. But there's something in your personality. You just won't stay away from that. It just won't leave it alone. There's just something in you because that part of your life has never been really laid on an altar and you've never really said, God, I surrender all to you. My desires, my future, my hope, my dreams, my life, my mind, my, dis- my, my spirit, everything about me. And so I wind up in trouble over and over again and what I need is that place of healing where God can put his hand on my life and there can come into my life a power that can restore and renew and revive and recover. And in such a place of surrender, God was able to step between him and his past. Amen. God was able to step between him and his past. And God was able to block it out so that when Esau finally came to him, Esau didn't do any of the things that he said he was going to do. He fell on his neck and he kissed him and he cried and they wept together as brothers. Oh God, we need that kind of healing in this place today. We need that kind of healing. We need that kind of encounter where God steps between us in our past and said enough is enough. Amen. You've been ruining your life and other people's lives and you've been making bad decisions and you've let your temperament mess you up so many. Let's fix that. Amen. You've let your attitude destroy so many good things, not only in your life but in other people. Let's fix that. I'm not beating the bush and I'm not picking on anybody this morning. I've just come to tell you there's a healing place here. There's a place where you can come and you can lay yourself before the Lord and say, God, I surrender all to you. Amen. A place where you come where you're tired of living a life of deceit and you're tired of running and you're tired of manipulation and you're tired of hurting people that you love and you really want to change in your life. It was at Jabbok that that happened for Jacob. It was there at that brook in that dark encounter of the night that God was able to heal something in his life. It had taken him a long time to get here. 
And I don't know. I talked to a backslider yesterday. He said, Brother Hughes, I don't know why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling right now. I said, it doesn't really matter. The fact that you feel the way you feel right now means that you need to come home. You need to get up from wherever you've been and get yourself back to the house of God and the church of God and the family of God. It doesn't matter how long it took you to get here. The fact that you're at this point right now tells me that God is ready to do something in your life. It may have taken God a long time, but God... God has worked it out. He has wrought things and He has made things work and brought us to this service this morning. And it's not an accident. It's not some kind of coincidence. It's not just happenstance that God has sent me here to tell you today that this can be your healing day. This can be your healing place. (laughs) Yes, it can be your healing place. And when God healed him, God brought peace into his life. When God healed him, he quit looking back over his shoulder. When God healed him, he quit worrying about what was back there because he couldn't see what was back there. All he could see was God. You know, you're never going to have any peace until all that you see behind you is God. You're never going to know what it is to really find joy in serving God until when you look back, all you see is God. There were things, I know because I did them, but I can't find them. You're never going to know what it is to really know how to have relationships with people the way that you ought to have relationships until when you turn to look back. All you see is God. And the only way that can happen is for you to surrender your life completely. To say, God, I'm tired of being the manipulator. I'm tired of trying to twist this thing and make it work. I need you to work it out in my life. And when you do, God's going to step between you and your past. Not only that, he's going to step between you and your future. Amen. You know what? I'm, I'm of the opinion that if Jacob had not had this night, we wouldn't have even heard anything more about him. Because Jacob would have eventually destroyed himself But because of that encounter, because God saw what was potentially there, what what could be made of that man, the good that was in him, God rendezvoused with him by a creek bank, and God wrestled with him until he brought him down to where he could see face to face. Any of you have raised children, you know what I'm talking about. When you're really trying to get their attention and they're not wanting to pay attention because they're not wanting to hear what you have to say. How many of you have said, I want you to look me in the eye? Why? Because we know that if we can ever make eye contact, we're going to get in to that soul. We're going to get into where it really counts. As long as they can look over our shoulder and they can look at us but not really look at us. You know, we're really good at that. We're really good at coming to church and looking at God but not really seeing God. We're really good at coming to church and looking toward, but really we're, our mind is somewhere past God. It's, uh, it's somewhere, yeah, it looks like it, but the truth is there's, a, there, there's an encounter when you come face to face with God, when you lock eyes with Him and all of a sudden you realize, ah, I can't keep living this way. I can't keep being this kind of person. I can't keep doing what I've been doing. And God healed Jacob's life. 
He said it. He said, thou hast preserved my life. You have, you have healed me. I, Jacob never, you don't ever find any more of the issues of his past showing up from that point forward. Because God stepped between him and his past. He stepped between him and the future. What are you going to mess up next? God said, I'm going to fix that for you so you don't mess anything else. So that you have the things that I desire for you. Here in this place, there can be a healing that will bring peace. Healing that will turn loneliness away from your life. And healing that will bring restoration. Amen. But that only comes when we surrender. There's no temperament that God cannot help. No temperament that God cannot. There is no personality that God cannot transform. There is no heart trouble that God cannot heal. There's no soul malady that God cannot restore. There's no spirit agony that God cannot fix. There is nothing that God cannot heal if I will surrender to him. I surrender. Lord, I, I've done this my way for so long, I don't even know if I know how to say it, but I've come today to surrender. When you truly yield yourself to Him, He will deal with the deepest maladies of your soul, with your inner heart trouble, with that disease, that sickness that troubled your life for years, that fever that spoils so many good things. When you say, Lord, I surrender. Amen. Let's stand together. By dealing with the troubles of my past, he strengthens us for whatever is ahead. Amen. If you're struggling this morning with an old issue, I've come to tell you that you're in a place of healing today. Amen. They turned the lights down in this building. I want every mind and every eye closed right now to everything outside of this place but the presence of God. God is in this place right now. As surely as God came to that creek, Jabbok, and met Jacob, God has assured me that he was going to be in this place today to meet us so that this too could become a Jabbok for some of us. That for 20 years or for 30 years or a lifetime of of doing life my way, I could really come to that point of surrender. I could come to that point of saying, Lord, I, I, I'm tired of being the kind of person that I've been. I'm tired of being a mean person. I'm tired of being a vindictive person. I'm tired of being a conniving, deceitful person. I'm tired of being untrustworthy. I'm tired of I'm tired of being that old man. I've got great potential, but what is that when my personality keeps messing up what you're trying to do in my life? I'm not here to embarrass anybody, and I don't want to embarrass anybody, but there's a healing in this place today, and you can have it if you want it, but you're not going to get it until you truly surrender your life to Him. Lord, I don't want to do it my way anymore. I don't want to try to fix it my way anymore. That's why, I'm keep, that's why I stay in this cycle of defeat, in this cycle of discouragement, in a cycle of depression is because I keep trying to go back to doing it my way. I want to surrender my life to you again.
I want to bring my life. Maybe I thought I was surrendered. But when I look around today and I realize all of the troubles in my life, maybe those troubles are because of, of an issue or a temperament in my life that has never truly been surrendered. God, today, I want this to be a healing place. I want this to be a healing place.